episode 10, season 2 of The Dave Witty Show. I'm your host, Dave Witty. Folks, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Lamb's Rum. Lamb's is one of the top choices for Newfoundlanders who love the authentic smooth taste. Enjoy Lamb's Palm Breeze today with a splash of Coke and Lime Wedge, or for something different, try Lamb's Spice on its own on the rocks. Lamb's the best choice for hardworking Newfoundlanders, and at a great price, find Lamb's Rum at all of your local NLCs. Also out now, these uh, tasty Lamb's RTDs, ready-to-drinks, uh, Spice Rum Punch, been crushing these, absolutely delicious. Get your hands on them in the liquor store right now and a big thanks to our friends at lambs they are awesome to deal with thanks so much for sponsoring this podcast uh welcome back folks first off want to say a big thanks to our friend vicky foley what a laugh to have vicky on vicky's awesome uh if you missed that episode go back and, and have a listen to it uh it's slowly creeping up on one of the most viewed uh, uh episodes i've had so far mostly because of how awesome vicky is and how funny she is but uh you know just great support for her and and great support for the podcast as well. But um, you know, just want to say big thanks to Vicky for coming on and, and make sure you go go check out that episode. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little hoarse here today. Um, I'll explain that in a little bit. But I want to say, uh, uh, but the new episode, this one here, got Mister Larry Foley on this week. Um, I had an absolutely unreal chat with Larry. Larry is one of those guys. I mean. You can sit down and talk to Larry and, and shoot shit and, and tell yarns for, for hours and hours. I actually had to cut the interview and uh, and and restart it again because we were just chatting for so long and felt like it was only just minutes and, and, and it kept going. So uh, stick around later on for that great chat with uh, with Larry Foley. We're chatting all about his life and music and, and some great stories about, you know, uh, hanging out with Ron Hines and touring over the years and, and you know, just playing around to pubs and, and playing around St. John's. So it was a really, really great chat and I really enjoyed it. So big thanks to Larry Foley and, and stick around for that one. It's coming up. Uh, got a really fun show coming up at the end of this week here, guys. Uh, Friday night at the Rock House. I uh, got the full band going. Um, myself, Nick Earl, Dan George, Peter Green. And uh, opening up the show will be Claire Follett. Uh, tickets are on sale right now. You can find them on my website, www.davewitty.com, or you can head to any of my social media channels where you will find the Eventbrite link that will take you to uh, where you have to go to purchase those tickets. They're just 20 bucks in advance, and uh, hoping to have a real great night, have a great turnout. It's going to be the only band show of the whole summer. Uh, as I mentioned, my voice a little hoarse because I've been so busy lately. I'm, uh, I actually took a new job and filmed this, this summer, um, doing a... Not not sweat not giving up. I've geez never give up on music or anything like that. But was just looking for something a little different to be at, um, especially in the daytimes. And and this seemed like a pretty interesting opportunity. A friend of mine approached me, and uh, you know he offered me a position with this film company. And um, so we've been working a lot of hours lately doing that. Plus I've been I've been trying to get in my gigs on the evenings um, at Kelly's and stuff like that. So. It's been a long couple days. Voices feeling definitely feeling a little hoarse, but uh, we'll try to get through that. But yeah, really grateful for the opportunity to get some work in the in the film stuff. Uh, it's ready to absolutely explode in Newfoundland. I thought it'd be a great time to probably get in with a with a really great with a really great film company, and um, and we started shooting this week, and uh, it's been a lot of fun on set. Very very interesting, very creative work, and um, you know just really looking forward to this ride. Something completely different, but staying in a in a great creative field. So as I mentioned, this show is 
was going to be the only witty band show this summer. Hoping to have a big summer blowout, a start of summer blowout. So uh, grab your tickets now. And I actually wanted to throw a little, um, let's see what we can do here. I want to give away a couple tickets here just to my podcast listeners. So how about this? We'll give away two tickets. Uh, how can we do this? How about anybody who's listening out there? I won't post this on any of the feeds or anything. It's just for the listeners. Uh, if you want to win two tickets to the show on Friday, how about you send me an email, uh, info at DaveWitty.com, and send me uh, the song you want to hear the most Friday night at the Rock House, and I'll pick a winner out of those those um, those entries that come in, and I'll give away two free tickets to the show on Friday night. So uh, send me an email, info at DaveWitty.com, and let me know the song you want to hear the most Friday night at the Rock House. Um, really looking forward to that again, guys. So just grab your tickets. It's going to be great fun and, and, you know, the only Witty Band so- show this summer. Um, our softball team, the um, <clears throat> Fog Pirates Softball Club, we're off to a 6-2 and two start, having a lot of fun with the softball, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun playing down on the banks of Kitty Vitty down there at Caribou Field. And uh, it's got a great group of guys, as I mentioned on the last podcast. But I'll be throwing little bits out to the uh, to the Fog Pirates every every couple weeks or so because it's uh, it's just a lot of fun right now. We're having a blast out in the field. And uh, it's been fun to get back out there with the guys. I haven't played softball in a long time, so... A uh, little sports going on. Obviously, uh, Tampa Bay, um, they won the third game of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Colorado now leads 2-1 after a very, very uh, huge first two games from Colorado. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that output at all. I mean, nobody's denying the fact of Colorado, but I don't think anybody expected to see them big blowouts. Uh, and then Tampa Bay came back at home last night and uh, and managed to pull that one out. So the series is 2-1 now. I think next game goes uh, either Wednesday or Thursday. I haven't double-checked on that, but it's uh, game four. We'll be back in Tampa as well. Uh, and hopefully we get another Tampa win, maybe get a great series out of it for the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Golden State Warriors managed to defeat um, and and win the the uh, NBA Finals. Um, not shocking at all. I mean, Golden State are an absolute wagon. Steph Curry, uh, I hate Draymond Green, but Klay Thompson, all these guys. Andrew Wiggins had an absolutely crazy series. Um, was really. You know, great to see Wiggins, no doubt about it, Canadian guy. I mean, he's had ups and downs in his career, but he really excelled and was and was great to see that. So uh, NBA season's over. Uh, looking forward to see what the Raptors have in the offseason and then see if they can make any transactions to really uh, bolster that lineup and, and get back into some serious playoff contention. Uh, I want to chat about the PGA for a minute. I'm not sure how many... PGA fans we got listening on the podcast, but what's going on with this live tour, which is basically a tour that's uh, going on in, in the Saudi Arabia, I believe. And, and it's basically what it's doing is basically poaching the PGA players from the PGA and offer them a ton of money to just play over there. Uh, as of today, I'm recording on Tuesday, they uh, announced uh, Brooks Kepka just recently signed with the live tour. I mean, that's a lot of big names after going over there. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. I mean, there's a bunch more. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, it's not looking great for the PGA. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, they're losing all their big names to this this live tour. It doesn't look like this live live thing is 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 even really um, accessible to viewers online or, or, or it's not being broadcasted. So I'm not sure that's all going to play out. So uh, be interesting to keep an eye on that for sure. Obviously watching a lot of Blue Jays baseball right now. They're sitting at 38 and 29. Pitching's been, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie to you. Pitching's 
what we thought was going to be a great pitching season uh, from our starting rotation has been tough. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu out for the rest of the season and probably next season might be the end of his career and more than likely probably the end of his career in in Toronto um, after undergoing um, Tommy John surgery for uh, for his arm. So you know, not a not a. 38 and 29, great season so far. Lots of baseball left. I say that every episode, and, you know, eventually it's going to catch up, but really got to get going. Had a tough series against the Yankees. Ended up pulling one out last Sunday, which was great. I mean, came back from behind and won that. It was it was a, a nice comeback victory, but like to see some more competitive baseball from the Blue Jays. No doubt about that. Um, Iceberg Alley's been going on. I haven't been able to get down, unfortunately. Um, had a lot of friends and seen a lot of videos online who, who've – been taking in the sights and sounds of the tent, also down on the banks of Kitty Vitty. Um, it doesn't look like I'm going to get down at all, uh, to be honest with you. Just my schedule is so hectic right now that it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get in. But uh, still a bunch of shows left. Um, Wednesday night, which is tonight, if you're listening, is Tom Cochran, Chilliwack, Sash Jordan. Then there's the band Perry, Roadhammers, Tyler Joe Miller. Uh, Kim Mitchell, Honeymoon Suite, Northern Pikes are on Friday night. Doors open at 5. If you're heading on to that one, um, lots of time afterwards to come down and check out the show Friday night at the Rock House, featuring yours truly, of course. And Saturday is the uh, 2022 Come Home Year uh, Iceberg Festivals uh, with Shani Ganook, Irish Descendants, Deanna Sisters, Navigators, Celtic Connection, and Carolina East. So that's going to be a great night as well in the big tent. Um, that about does it for what's going on in my world. Um, so yeah, with that being said, I'm just going to flip it right over to Larry Foley because we had a great long chat all about uh, you know all about his career and everything that he's been up to, and uh, uh, it was really really fun to catch up with Larry. I haven't chatted with him in a while, so stick around for a great chat with Larry Foley. And I'd like to welcome Mr. Larry Foley to the podcast. What's going on, Larry? Thanks for doing this with me today, man. Hi, Dave. I was up all morning trying to figure out which hat. Well, you found the because right one. I, I knew you'd be wearing a cap. That's right. See? And it, let's face it, Napoleon, uh, Pharrell, Dave Whitty, that's <laughs> where it's at. That's right. So I thought, I can't let my man down here, uh, my boy, down. That's, that's so right. So I went with this one. I had a backup. I had a backup because I thought this was more Dave Whitty, but it was I, less me. I actually have that same hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what team it is. That's I just the, went to the store. I was like, I like this looks old school. That is know? the Cleveland Indians. Once upon a time, they've actually changed their name now. They're not right. the Indians anymore. They are the, uh, they're the Guardians. The Guardians. Now, they? The Guardians so, yes. Anyway, so here we are. Uh, I love it. I thought I'd go with my uh, Stetson Open Road. Looks great. Looks great. Thanks so much for doing this again, Larry. Really appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy. You got a crazy summer schedule. Uh, you're always a busy yeah. man, but it's always great to catch up with you. So thanks again for doing this. Yeah, How's man, everything? All good? For sure. All right, let's get going. First off, I wanted to ask you a really funny question. I, uh, this is just a hilarious thing. So I was doing a little research on Larry Foley today. Did you know that Larry Foley is a famous Australian boxer? Yeah. You must he, have known he that. He looks like my dad. It's pretty weird. It is. He does. I seen that and I laughed my ass off. But he, <laughs> apparently Larry Foley, the Australian boxer, has made, uh, he's the he's the legend of Australian boxing. I just love that about that. I thought that yeah. was so funny. Yeah. He was a drinking, womanizing, uh, would like to waste his money kind of guy. My people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like my people. He's the same crazy eyebrows. It's weird. Yeah, he does. I know. I was, I was looking at it. I was like, man, there's no way there's a relation. Anyway, it's super hilarious. Larry, I wanted, I wanted to start off a little bit about um, kind of about you growing up. I mean, I know you grew up in Placentia. Um, 
you know, what were some of your influences, your early on musical influences, and maybe something that got you into music early on? Man, the thing about Placentia, bands. There was bands. Mm-hmm. We were going around on our bikes, like, you know, 11, 12 years old, and there were sound checks up by the Star Hall. There were sound checks up by the Latin Quarter. There were sound checks over by the Pink Lady, which became the Studio Four, which later became the Lighthouse. So, you know, I just saw it early on. I was like, I want to do that. That looks great. And I also remember like lots of family events where, you know, we had live bands. And I was all about that. And it just got me early on, I suppose, you know. But I was late to the barbecue just the same. I didn't learn to play until later on in high school. And kind of got you more serious about it at university, really. Late bloomer, you might say. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. I mean, over a couple of gigs. Obviously, we've shared the stage a num- numerous times. We we actually shared the stage uh, in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Several um, countries, Dave. We're several... international in scope, my friend. That's right. We are. We are international. I love that. So you, you grew up in Placentia. As you mentioned, you were kind of a late bloomer to the game with playing music. But once you moved to St. John's and started going to university, that's kind of when things kind of kicked off a bit, right? Well, we got to back the bus up a bit now. I went to University of Nova Scotia. Right. See? Sorry. Yes, I knew that. Same effects, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went up there, I was just like every other schmuck with, you know, three chords and uh, a dorm room to entertain. <laughs> and I got kind of good at that. And then um, also going away, but I'm sure it happens to everybody, right? You go away and all of a sudden hearing a Lean Clancy song and you're like, oh, I'm so afraid. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Nova Scotia, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not in Australia, but I kind of there was kind of a thing happening. I ended up being a part of it um, because that whole groundswell East coast Celtic thing was starting to happen in the early nineties. And I was in university then in Nova Scotia. And um, I was a part of this thing called, we started the Celtic society, you know, like society is a very sophomoric thing in university. Right. So uh, we started the Celtic society, which was basically, you know, music and drinking society. Um, I know you're shocked, Dave. <laughs> oh, yes. Appalled shocked, as well. Right? Appalled as well. But, you know, we started having these gigs and they started, we'd have them on Wednesday nights, kind of like a folk club, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we did it up above a Chinese restaurant in Anaganish called the Orient Lounge. And it was basically a bar that wasn't being used for anything. So we, I guess we talked to Glenn to let us use it. Um, and it started to take off. Just we're getting crowds of people. And the next thing you know, we had like, we used to bring people in for gigs. And like early days was like Ashley McIsaac, Natalie McMaster, right, like right. Mary Jane Lamont. All of these people to me were at the time, wow, talented young people from Cape Breton, man. They got, they got a lot of great players up mm-hmm. here. So then I finished up at St. of X. Then I went to graduate school in Ireland for a year. So that was 93, 94. I come home a year later. Jesus, all these people are fucking rock stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened? Exactly. What happened? I turned on the radio and Ashley McIsaac's got a fiddle tune and it's like, number one or whatever the fuck it was at the time right playing on pop radio or something like that insane it was absolutely insane right um you know it's like anybody think about your favorite local open mic and you go to it and you go away for a while and go back to everybody's on the radio like it was (laughs) just blew my mind so of course you know uh i was like geez i gotta get back in on this (laughs) yeah exactly and um i'd make good friends with jason whalen who was also in ireland when i was over there yep and uh, he and I tossed around the idea of getting a band on the go. And he went to high school with Pat Moran. And um, Brian Kenny and uh, George Morgan had, had been in the Planker Down band. So, and that had sort of disbanded. So we, it just sort of fell together one summer. I came home, I came home from Ireland, I guess, in the, in the fall. And that following spring, um, 
we got it together just for laugh for the summer. And geez, that's nearly 30 years ago. So, yeah, incredible. No, an incredible run. Absolutely. And then totally. I, mean, I never set out to get be in this at all. Like playing for me was just something I did for fun. And uh, and these days I envy people who do it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like, hey, like being a plumber. Come over to my house, work on my pipes. Like I, <laughs> I, I know I can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, I understand that. Absolutely. Especially as a, as a gigging musician. I mean, it, there's a grind to it. No doubt, Larry. I mean, and, and you've, you've felt you know. that grind and you've, you've worked it a lot, man. It's a, it's, it's an interesting life. No doubt. I mean, it, it there's many ups, many downs, many in-betweens There's play all over the place. I mean, it, it's a, it's a whirlwind industry to be living in and you've kind of lived through it all. I mean, you've lived through that big boom in East coast music, but then you've also gone through a time when CD music was very, very popular. Um, when people were really selling a lot of CDs and now you've also gradually moved into the age of digital music, which is a completely different ball game in itself. Like wh- what are some of your thoughts on, on that change and that transition? Well, you know what it's it, cause essentially when we started out, I don't think much changed for, for young people with musical dreams from 19, 19- 55 to 1995 mm-hmm. right it was get your shit together and get a bunch of people that you like play with have an idea and if, you know we just sort of took off i mean i was playing with older guys who were more experienced and i you know i was the token front man really uh but it, it, we got together but because of that time like you said the means of production had gotten doable you know we were able to make a local cd mm-hmm. and go out and start flogging it we got in the van and went from here to vancouver man that was the old the only way to do it Yep, yep. And, and we built a little following here and there. I mean, we were no we were no household name or anything, but you know, we were we were successful enough to stay at it full on, like touring and stuff for with an agent, the manager, and a, we had our own van. That was cool. That was about like my eight Frank Willis moment. Boys, <laughs> <laughs> we got our own van. Got our own it wasn't van. really ours, but we were paying we were paying for it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, I- you know, and then it's weird, you know, like life just takes you, you you follow the course. It's about would spread up wherever you jump on the ride, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we went through that time where you can make a few bucks on CDs, lug them around and sell them yourself. And then we got signed. We got a record deal, which was cool. Who'd have thought that was ever going to happen, right? Yep, yep. Um, you know, it major label distribution. It was a company based at affiliate of the McCain's folks um, called Loggerhead Records. That was a whole other trip. Man, it was like, okay, well, we're going to do, oh, do another record now. The funny one, I, I learned somewhere along the way, about, I heard about a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, why is we got a signing bonus? What's that? <laughs> I don't know, but we're going to get one. <laughs> I said, they said, well, how much? I said, I don't know. I said, well, $10,000. I said, I think we need $10,000 to sign. <laughs> and we got it. Oh, perfect. Wicked. <laughs> well, we had a few debts when you're, but you're traveling band, you got some debts, right? Oh, so yeah, big time. Really, we probably would have packed it in only for that record deal came along with it. Right. And, and, you know, band members come and go, man. And things, the boat has taken a lot of different shapes over the years. And I'm too stubborn to give it up, right? Like, I, I'm kind of the last man standing just because, I don't know, just because. Well, there's something um, about longevity. I mean, there's something about, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. There's, 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 it's a, it's a grind. There's ups and downs, obviously, but there's, there's still a passion in there. And you're still, I mean, there's also, also people, I always laugh at people like, um, People's ideas of success sometimes are, are so bewildered that they 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 think that success is only on this national level where you are just world famous. And it's not about that. I mean, to me, no, man. music and, and success has always been about 
paying my bills and making a living and being able to do something that I feel 100%. happy with at the end of the day and I feel loved about. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Like I, mean, I turned 50 this year. I've been at this since I was whatever, 22 or 23. You know, and I, for me, it's just always been about being able to go to work, whatever form that took. Am I, am I going on the road for six weeks with a band called the Punters or, a, you know, <clears throat> I'm playing on Shamrock City tonight, six o'clock. I'm equally, equally as excited. Yep, I get yep. to have a guitar in my hand and work. Yeah, you know exactly. But exactly. I, I know what you're saying, and you know some people, you know, their their self worth is valued by how many units they're selling. I've met people like that. I know people like that. It's like, man, that's a hollow existence, right? It is, yeah. Um, you know, and I we all fall prey to that for a while. Like I found with the band thing, we, we were doing great. It was like it wasn't about where you were; it's about where you're not. You always had someone at the label flipping out about something and this, that, the other thing, and all oh, we need to do this. And we need a national exposure, blah, 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 right? Yeah, well, you know, you need Sonny, you know, you need the drummer that swings, you know? <laughs> Those guys. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm just trying to make some music. Like, next thing you know, you're fighting for your own songs to go on your own own album. Yeah, exactly. That kind yep. of shit, you know? I'm like, yep. all right, we got a song for you, boys. I'm like, that is a total piece of shit. I don't, I like, that's. <laughs> You got it. You were you were late. You're an artist, right? And it sounds cheesy to say that, but if you if you don't feel it, you know. I mean, yes, you can sing the Black Velvet Band every night of the week if you need to. That's yep. different, you know. You're providing a you know shooting fish in a barrel kind of scenario. But but when it comes to recording something, you know, it has to mean something to you, you yep. know. And, and that that comes into a whole. Dave, this is I should be on the couch, I think, for this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I, I sort of put aside my own stuff. I have a backlog of songs of my own that I don't play and haven't recorded because I really don't feel, see the sense of it anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And that's a terrible attitude, right? Horrible. <laughs> but I, 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 for me, it's more about being, a, I always try to be a better musician and be a better guitar player and a better singer. And, and that's what's kept me doing it all this time. Like I'm here right now, so before you call, I have my guitar, one of my guitars. I have it all apart. Yep. See this? And, uh, I'm installing one of these. What's oh, that? Oh, the, the tone wood amps. Yeah, I've seen yeah, those. Yeah, they're deep. affiliation, sorry, a thing, a box. Because I'm always looking for the better mousetrap that makes when I go to my gig, it sound better to me or something, right? Like, that's well, an obsession. That's a different bottle wax all again. But, but the thread being here, and after all this time, I'm still doing it for some reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't well, started, as Dermot O'Reilly said, it beats selling real estate. <laughs> exactly exactly well one thing i mean you've always been incredible at larry is 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 finding different avenues and finding different ways to still to play music and to do it in different variations and to play with different groups different bands on different stages different nights i mean you've got the punters you've got larry foley solo but one thing i wanted to ask you about is the eight track favorites that has been an super popular thing that has happened over the years i mean a lot of arts and culture center shows and, and big events like that like that's just another piece of the puzzle right it was weird that's another thing that happened by accident mm -hmm. um back to what we were saying about going to house parties and stuff right i was like i got sick of people not listening and <laughs> hey larry i'm hey dave play a song and then you start playing, everybody starts talking, and they're right next to you. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. What did you just wanted me to play to put some, you know, <laughs> mojo ambience. in the room? You don't actually want to listen to me. But um, there's two parts to this, how the A-Track started. When we were doing long road trips on the highway uh, back in the day, we all used to take turns picking a CD. Remember those? Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody had I've got favorites. thousands. I've got thousands still. <laughs> right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. A lot of them got my face on them. Um, <laughs> 
but everyone take turns playing the CDs. And we sort of got in, I was, myself and Pat Moran got into, someone had a Roger Miller box set. And we played all that. And then they're like, oh, let's pick up the Hank Williams and Charlie Pride. And, you know, we started listening to Junior, uh, Junior Brown. And we sort of got on this sort of, you know, behind the scenes, the band was on a country kick, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, it was, being that at the time, I was about to turn 30 and, you know, you start getting a bit nostalgic as you get a little bit older. I'm very nostalgic now. Uh, <laughs> so I just started learning a few of those songs just for the laugh, you know, and singing them around the house. My parents all of a sudden were like, yeah, we should play some more of that. And then I had a folk night. I did a folk night. I was the guest at uh, down at the Ship Inn at the time. And I just threw in, I, I did the song, I'll never forget it. What's it called? Um, oh, it won't come to me now. I keep saying Saginaw, Michigan, but it's not that one. Anyway, what, one of these old songs, I, <clears throat> I played it. And Bridget Noonan was the manager running the folk night. She said, can you come back and do a whole night of country songs? And at the time, it was like, I, I guess it was kind of ironic to play that stuff then. You know, because mm-hmm. everything goes in cycles, you know. And country kind of fallen off the map a little bit. But that old stuff, everybody was at the right age to remember it, you know. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, we had a band doing it. I, I, I was going to do it solo. And then I asked, I went down to see Ron one night. And Barry Hilliard was playing with him. And never happens. Ron got me up for a song. Ron Hines, for those mm-hmm. of you watching at home. And uh, said, Hillar, <laughs> yes. why don't you get up for a song? So I got up and I played... Uh, Played Poncho and Lefty with Barry. And I was like, I said, I got this gig going up doing all this old country stuff. He said, I know all that. I said, a bit of Merle, a bit of Johnny Cash. Yes. Perfect. So then we had two. Yeah. And then uh, Crystal Drew was after getting a pedal steel for Christmas. Yeah. And we were all over to Barry Canning's house. And Chris had the pedal steel. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I was like, Jesus. So I got this country gig coming up. You should bring that thing. So then there was three. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so it was me, Barry, and then Chris. And then Barry and DeVos insisted on having a drummer. Right? I, didn't, I, I saw this as like a little shuffle demons kind of thing. right? I said, so George, just bring your snare and stand up front. You know, we did that once with the four of us. And then George said, fuck this. I'm playing the kit. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was playing electric and the coupe. Nothing like was, making a drummer uncomfortable, like making him stand out front know, with a snare me, drum. <laughs> right, but I had this vision. I had a vision. You remember? You probably don't remember, but um, not what were they called? Not the shuffle. It was maybe it's a shuffle. That shuffle demons, Razorbacks. Okay. They were like a rockabilly thing in Canada. But he was playing the suitcase, standing oh, up. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool as hell. I thought let's do that. But anyway, that didn't work. And um, then it got. It started. People started coming to see us. It's like a lot. And we were no country band by a stretch, but we were wearing the hats and doing the, had all the gear on. And it was like, it was a bit of a novelty thing, right? It was like, and we were all known for different things. So it kind yep. of had that traveling Wilburys kind of vibe about it, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really take it too seriously. And then Pat Brand decided, he just showed up one night. <laughs> <laughs> to my knowledge, he just showed up. He's like, I got to get it. He just showed up. I don't remember asking him. I don't know. He just came down with the fiddle and a hat. And so there we were. <laughs> and everyone thinks I'm some kind of business genius. Wow, look, Larry got his two bands working. It just, it just happened that way. So yeah. I, ha- I could keep the punters working inside the A-Tracks because the same four of us were in there for again now. And it's happened a few times over the years. And um, we had another gig a while later. And Chris couldn't make it. 
Chris was gone out of town. Oh, Brothers in Stereo was on the go then. So Chris used to be gone in scattered time. So we were following the Patsy Cline show at the Majestic. Spirit of Newfoundland was on the go down there then. And uh, Sandy and them were doing this Patsy Cline show. I said, well, fuck it. Sandy's already down there. He's probably got a cowboy hat on already. <laughs> so let's just get him to see it in. And he played with us that night like, he didn't know, he thought, he didn't know who was coming. He said, Larry, never playing. He didn't know. Here we show up with the hats and everything on. He's like, this is awesome. And he was there ever since. We, yeah, that's awesome. He just never left. Yep. He just never left. So that was the core of it. And it kept going. It's still going. You know, we're doing Salmon Festival in a couple of weeks. No, so. that's that's incredible. I, I got to ask you something funny, okay? So I was doing- I am little... wearing pants. Okay, good. I'm not actually. Chain. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. So I was, I got my phone out here because I, I want to read this off my phone. I, I was searching your name earlier. I was trying to just dig up a little bit of little, not dirt, but I hope we'll find some dirt, but I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> find, lots. I couldn't find any online anyways. It's only, uh, only uh, myth that goes around, but I, I found a post from a gentleman. I think it might've been yesterday. I, I could be wrong in this. Did you pick up a random traveler yesterday or two days ago? Or is oh, this a while ago? ago? A whole bunch of them. So there's a post here. I want to read it out for the folks listening at home. Cross-posting this from the FB page of a friend of my sister's from Miramichi, New Brunswick. Larry is a star in so many ways. Uh, so we arrived in Newfoundland. This is from a, a tourist, I guess. And they they had posted this and it just came up. I just I searched your name. And I, I found this post online. I was like, Jesus, this is only yesterday or a couple days ago. It says, uh, so we arrived in Newfoundland, but unfortunately our luggage didn't make the trip. It wanted to visit Toronto, apparently. After supper, we were walking around trying to find supplies, contact lenses, toothpaste, etc. We were far away from our place, cold, tired, and decided to call a cab. A nice lad at the gas station stopped and asked if he were lost. He offered to drive us to shoppers and then to our place, and after he assured us he was not a serial killer, we jumped in. His name is Larry Foley, musician, small world. He played with a lad from Mirror Machine University. He was hilarious and kind, and we're going to watch him play Tuesday night. Is that tonight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Karen Curry gas. Newman will be there to see you. <laughs> I was getting gas, and these four people, they, like, they just, you can take, well, you know they're not from here because you don't recognize them, right? Yeah, and they probably got an umbrella. <laughs> I, yeah, they, look, they looked a bit shagged up, right? So I said, well, I was, are you lost or something? And then they tell me the story, and they said, well, I said, get in the cab, it could be a job, why, you know, like, mm -hmm. for some reason, it's really difficult to get a taxi in St. John's. Oh, it's days. miserable, yeah. It's, it's miserable. brutal, right? So I said, you know what? I was because this was down by the Delta. I had played, I don't know, somewhere I was out of Raleigh's, I think. And then I drove over to get a drop of gas. So I said, Look, where are you going? They want to go to a shopper's. Well, there's one up the hill. And I said, Where are you going then? They said Cochrane Street. I said, Well, get in the car, but I'll give you a run up, you know. <laughs> but then we got in the car, it turns out they they're neighbors with a friend of mine that I went to university with. And, <laughs> I love that. I just I just stumbled upon that and I said, Man, that is so classic, Larry. You're just like, I could just see you now, like, ah, Jesus, boys, I can't leave you now. But I get in, come on, yeah, we go. I, like, I know. <laughs> I felt bad for them. I've been there, man. It sucks. Like, uh, I want to be there you, all night waiting for a taxi, right? Like, I know, I know, I know. And and it's not a far run around, but if you don't know, Jesus, you're stranded. I mean, no, absolutely. Weather could turn, anything could happen, right? I want to ask you about your little stint in politics, Larry. Can you talk about this a little Ooh. bit? You did a little yeah, run sure. with the uh, with the liberal. Uh, you ran for liberal. I think it was out home, wasn't it? I believe. Can yeah. you just discuss yeah. that a little bit and what that was all about and how to, how sure. that went for you? Sure. A friend of mine called me up one day and said, "You should think about running." And I said, "What? No, I don't think so." I mean, I have a degree in political science, and I'm a bit of you know, I'm an avid news hound, and you know, locally and, and internationally, I kind of 
like I like that sort of thing. Yep. And got me thinking and kind of I wouldn't say talk me into it, but the fact that someone that I, I respected thought I could do a good job at that. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, what have I got to lose? Exactly. You know, I, I've always been one to, you know, stick my neck out there with stuff. Same with music, same with starting a country band was like, and rocks thrown at you in the nineties, right? Like, or whatever it was early two thousands, people laughed at us with our hats on. Mm-hmm. Better not be laughing now, boys. <laughs> so I thought, you know, there was kind of a thrill to it to put your name on the line for something. And party politics never meant much to me. You know, I suppose I would align myself with a lot of a lot of social democratic ideas. Uh, but, you know, and then I grew up in a house of, of PCs, you know, Catholic blue. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was kind of torn about that, to be honest. But um, I mean, there was the times the major shift in politics was happening at that time, you know, but that were still going uh, still going on. So I said, what the hey, you know, and I went out and I beat the pavement and I put up a lot of signs and I, I played every angle I knew and I didn't win. Um, and that's not the best part. Okay. Well, I didn't win. That happens. Right. First time out. No big, no big shocker, but I came pretty close <clears throat> and I had a really good, I had a really good campaign because I went full on. Right. Like, cause, cause you can't, and you're good at this. You're good at this. Like, like what we're doing right now, you, you take what you know, what you do and you, we're all trying to sell ourselves right mm-hmm, exactly so i had a lot of experience at that from because really we're marketing people whether you want to admit it or not right absolutely so i took all that that i learned from from being in the beers and and applied it to to a political run and it was only for the nomination but it actually ran like a full-on campaign so i didn't win the first time the first time now how's this so i didn't win okay that sucks and they redrew the districts and all of a sudden, the seat, the, there was no, the race nullified and they had to run it again. So I was at the urinal, Shamrock City, and uh, this word gets all Watergate on you right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Making your water gate. Uh, you know, next to me says, uh, who's, in, who's in politics, who's a, who's a member, right? And he said, uh, he said, the district is bigger now, there's more votes. He said, it's a different ball game. You got a chance to win this. You almost won it the last time. And I like the fool. Oh, yeah. I hate to lose. Yep. Everybody fucking hates losing. I hate losing. Yep. Especially when I put so much into it. So anyway, like the fool, I runs again. Harder, harder the second time. Harder the second time. And the results were still the same. Right. You know, because I, I counted on I counted on these other however many thousand people or hundreds of people that were added to the mix, mm-hmm. but none of them came out because they did the, the things you learn right. They didn't recognize the change in the district. They didn't want to be part of Placentia, St. Mary's, and Capes or whatever it was, and and they sort of stayed away from it. They and the system was set up pretty weird too. I mean, people it's hard enough to get people to come out and vote mm-hmm. right when it's for real. They're yeah. trying to get them to come out and vote in a nomination process. It was, it was insane, right? But yeah. the seat was open, and that's why there was so much competition for it. And I, I'm glad I did it because, well, the takeaway, which my wife tried to convince me, was like, you know, Larry, people are taking a little bit more seriously now than they did before. You know, they realize, well, you got some guts to go take something like this on, and you, you followed it through. And I said, yeah, I guess so, you know. But I'm glad I didn't win, but I'm glad that the, 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 the process of putting yourself out there, and man, having to go up to everybody and their dog and say, Hey man, you know, I'm trying to do this thing. 
Mm-hmm. So it's humbling from the get-go, right? You yep. know, yep. it's uh, very, very humbling in every way. But I think I came out of it stronger. I don't think I'd ever want to do it again. Yeah, I bet it's definitely challenging for sure. People, I mean, people bring it up different the time. Yeah. Like, no, but no. <laughs> oh, oh, and I will tell you one thing I did learn. One thing I did learn. Don't matter where you're from. Don't run where you don't live. Right, right, right. Because you were because in, oh, you were in you know, St. John's. Or you're coming then, yeah. back here now. Like right. I never really left Placentia. Well, my parents still live there. I'm still going home all the time. Yep. But people don't see you all the time, and it, you know, the, the collective consciousness sort of views you differently once you leave a place. You know. Yep. But um, no, I might run again and win. Who knows? Because I, yeah. right? That's how that works. Um, but I'm too uh, too interested in other things. Well, speaking oh, of other one things, last I, thing. Oh yeah, sorry. It's go great ahead. to get back to myself after all that was over. Right. I was like, okay. It's like Jerry Lee Lewis. I might be going to hell, but I'm gonna go play my piano. You know, <laughs> yeah. I put my guitar on my shoulders, and I went downtown. And I was like, okay, back to work. It's not yeah. bad being me. Being me yeah. is okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of like, put yourself out there and, and, and another thing that, I mean, kind of similar to what I've done with this podcast is just kind of another angle. And, and that kind of thing is, is the TV show that you did uh, this old guitar. I thought that was really neat. You, you had me on as a guest. I mean, I, I was, it was a lot of fun shooting that, that episode. And uh, you had a couple seasons under the belt. Uh, talk a little bit about that, that program and, and where the inspiration for that came from. I mean, it was kind of like, kind of like what we're yeah. doing right now. You kind of shoot the shit, but you throw a couple Pretty guitars much. in the hands, right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I don't know. It was, it was probably around, I don't know. I, th- I think it was probably around, I did six seasons. I think it started around 2012 or something like that. Oh, and, awesome. um, <laughs> well, like you said, you're always trying to reinvent yourself, you know? And I kind of mm-hmm. felt like I was at a bit of a dead end for what I was at, you know, like band things tapered off and I just needed to try something new. And I had all, we had just moved into this house a little while. And, um, you know, I had a basement full of guitars. There's <laughs> one thing to have a pile of guitars when you're, when you're a single guy in your own house. Next <laughs> thing you're in a family and you have a bunch of guitars. And I was like, man, I got to find a re- I got to do something with all this. Like, because yep. the collection sort of started owning me, right? And I'm like, why don't I pitch a show about guitars? So I went to one place, they, they want nothing to do with it. They were like, no, don't see it. So I was like, oh, well, so much for that idea. Then I think, oh, I was nominated for an ECMA and the folks from Eastlink wanted to do a little bit on the nominees, right? So guy's name's Gage Miranda. I don't know if you know Gage or not. See him around town a bit. Nice young fella. And while he was doing the segment on me about the nomination, I pitched the idea to him. He said, man, that's an awesome idea. He said, let me talk to the people. I'll get back to you. Sure enough, they said, hey, let's do it. Cool. So, you know, six seasons later, it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, it's going to be a neat time capsule in 10 or 20 years to look back on. Well, I mean, you, you featured know, you featured everybody from I mean, there's so many different. That's the neat thing about it. You're not only talking about guitars, but you also got to feature a lot of great artists from all over the province and and people you've connected with people. You probably play with people you probably might have wanted to connect with. It was a great opportunity absolutely. to connect with those type of people. Right. A hundred percent. Like I tried to. I, the thing was, it, it was really difficult and really easy at the same time because there had to be a guitar of interest and a person of interest that went together. Mm-hmm. Right. So the story had to be intertwined and everybody <laughs> loves a good yarn. Sure. That's all well, I kind of remember, actually, story, right? I kind of remember. I mean, I, I play a 
I play a Taylor. I've been playing my Taylor religiously. And I remember you having me on. You said, well, we already did a Taylor 314. What else you got in your, <laughs> what else you got in your bag there? I said, yeah. I got a Mar I got a Martin there or something. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, let's talk about that one. Yeah. Well, well I was real nerdy about it off the get-go. Like, okay, well, we covered this. But then as time went on, I realized it's more about the person. It's yeah. more about the personality, right? Because off the top, I was really like, okay, well, we're going to talk about the Martin D18, which was popularized in 1930. And, uh, you know, it was just sort of the finite details of guitars. And I was just too nerdy about it. Right. But as time went on, like by the last season, I really slacked off and I don't want people to come on and sing and play and be themselves, and, you know, but it was a good ride. I loved it. COVID kind of put the kibosh on it. And we never really went back to it after that, but I felt like I was done, you know, mm -hmm. six seasons, six seasons, 12 shows a season. That's a lot of shows. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> So I kind of I kind of felt I'd made that statement. So I, I don't know what's next for me. Stay tuned, I suppose. Larry, that's one thing I wanted to ask you was about, I mean, you mentioned COVID when you're talking about this old guitar. One thing that you did, I mean, and a lot of other musicians did as well, but I mean, you were on the go flat out with the COVID shows. It was a real, real interesting time. I mean, we're still fucking dealing with this COVID shit. Don't get me wrong, but it's obviously in a bit of a different sense. But when everything was really locked down, I mean, you, uh, tons of different musicians really went online and, and really did a lot of fun shows. Um, what was that like for you and, and the reach and all that stuff? I, I They were pretty interesting. I, I really enjoyed them. I got to say, I was happy to get back in front of people. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was yeah. a pretty fun little time, right? Oh, not me. I would have been happy to never go in front of people again the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> not me, man. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. After almost 30, after, well, a few years, I'll say after 25 years of making a living, singing my guts out, and you know how much, right? Like night after night after night. I fell in love with playing online. Yeah. I, now, I guess I suppose in my brain, it, it connected with my my little TV show I had. You know, so my brain was working the same way. But I, I, I felt that uh, I got right into it. I got right into the songs. I got right into how I was interpreting them. I got right into the stories of the songs. I found I really connected with it. You know, I had my own little, my own little audience that were loyal to me, which I loved. And then we went back to the clubs. Everybody's drinking and not paying attention. And I'm like, ah, oh, I missed that. I missed that that intimacy that that online thing gave us. So of course, people are back to being distracted now. You're not going to keep anyone's attention uh, without a pandemic, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the most interesting things and 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 best things of those for me was. Just being able to connect with people probably outside of St. John's who don't normally get to totally. see you on, on occasion, Absolutely. you know what I mean? And they're so yeah. happy that you're doing this. And all they want to do was just say hello and throw in a request for a song. And just and if and the way I always found it is if if you could just throw a little hello to people. Hello, Ronnie. How you doing, Mike? Uh, great to see hurts, you, Johnny. Hurts. I want more hurts. Yeah. Hurts. It, hurts. it worked out. I mean, and people were very, very supportive of that as well. I mean, sent along tips and and really kept me afloat. Honestly, it really kept me above water. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I, I made more money uh, playing online than I make now playing downtown night after night. Yep. Yep. I know. It's the same way. And you're not, and you're, you're at home drinking your own beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had one guy, I had one guy send my wife, uh, email, email my wife money, not to me. He emailed it to my wife to go buy me beer. Great. I Larry, a dozen beer. And this is not for his tip jar. That's why I'm not sending it to him. I was yeah. like, 
That's pretty yeah, good, though. I love that. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I love that. He sent that. me 25 American. I got six dozen beer. <laughs> I, I, man, I had a guy, I mean, God love him. I, my phone died one night. I was just recording off my phone, similar to what you did, right? And my phone died. Yeah. But whatever way it worked, I had, I had, um, I had like my mic and stuff through a little system plugged into my phone. And I couldn't yeah. also charge my phone at the same time. Anyways, I get an email the next day. Hey, man, uh, what's your mailing address? I just said, uh, you know, I sent it along. I said, uh, what's up? He said, oh, I'm going to send you out this specialized charger I just found on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, there thanks, you go, right? man. I appreciate it. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. very, very cool. And that was, I mean, guy, all jokes that was aside, a guy from Ontario I'll... who had seen me play like once. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm sure it was the same for you. For me, it gave me, it just gave me a lot of value in what I did all of a sudden. Because night after night, man, it, it can get pretty soulless out there, right? Yep, and yep. you're just, you know, and you, you fall in that love with it all the time. And you have one night and it's great. People love you. The next night someone says something ignorant to you and, you know, or, or, or takes a joke the wrong way, you know, and it's like, oh, what am I doing? Right. But I found, I found with that, it just filled me up. I got all kinds of, you know, feeling the love, feeling the energy. But it, it, it allowed me to fall back in love with music again. Mm-hmm. because when you do it for a living it just it is your work for better or for worse mm-hmm. and with that i just found it was like it was like somebody changed the channel that'll tell you how old i am i just went change the channel <laughs> yeah, not change the channel uh, how, do you, um, how do you how do you call someone on a phone now <laughs> yeah <laughs> no mike hanrahan goes <laughs> even older yeah i'll give you a call <laughs> oh my god um I, I thought like a pretty neat thing that the listeners might get uh, kick out of is um, your relationship with Ron Hines. I mean, you, I know you mentioned him earlier and I know you did a co-write with Ron uh, on Dirt Poor. Was there any other co-writes that I'm maybe unaware of or was that just no. one? And, and I know you obviously had a, had a relationship. And I mean, interesting enough. I mean, we've chatted about it in person a lot and I always get a great kick. I mean, I always love the the Ron impression. We always get a kick out of that one. But can you talk about maybe some of the some of the, you know, the highlights and, and the uh, and the and the life of that, that you know, Ron as yeah. I always found that very interesting. I, absolutely. You know, um, I've been watching. And actually, this remind doing what we're doing today reminds me of it. And this will make sense in a second. Uh, the series Jerry Seinfeld does driving around getting coffee with comedians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Right, right. Like I feel that's what we're doing here now, right? Uh, you, you're Seth Grogan, by the way, and I'm Jerry. Um, <laughs> but it, it makes but, sense actually in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ways, right? Um, but that show sort of reflects some some, some mentorship stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And like they talk about Eddie Murphy talks about going out to the Copa or going going to the Improv or, or going to the comic strip and seeing Richard Pryor. Yeah. Right. Like it was very much like that. Like for me, I grew up, I was that age. I was, I don't know, 12 or so in the eighties when the wonderful grand band was huge. And I always identified with Ron being a Bayman for some reason. I had, I had an aunt who was, who is from Fairyland, right. And by marriage, my aunt Mary. And so that sort of drew a connection. It was like, cause before that TVs, people were all in Hollywood or New York or in the TV. You didn't think about it, mm-hmm. but with that, it made it something went off in my brain about Ron and, and being from around the Bay and being on television. Mm-hmm. I think there was that we're going deep now, Dave, Jeez, Dave, we're gone deep. <laughs> so when I got around to meeting Ron, um, we were on the same bill at Holy Heart one night. I forget. I think it was a benefit concert or some, something. And this would have been, you know, 94, 95, I met him in the stairway and Jesus, it was like Liberace walked in or Elvis, you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Wow, he had the hat on. And he, at the time, he had the bolero jacket, the black one with the, the Marty Stewart type one, you know, to crop yep. back on it. 
you know, even though down the stairs, he was always side on. You know? <laughs> he didn't say hello, kiss me, arts, yeah. nothing like he's just there to go. So you got any label interest yet? It's <laughs> <laughs> like Ron Hines just asked me if I had any label interest. <laughs> I was like, what fucking planet am I on all of a sudden? Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, it was a bit of buzz about the band, you know, things were then right i mean there was very little going on so you had the irish descendants that come along and the indiana sisters and great big c and we were sort of in the mix there somewhere we were, i was like we were kind of like the ramones of that whole scene right <laughs> great that's a great you comparison know, we i love that guitars and wanging it out right we weren't we weren't that cutesy at all yeah um so for ron to ask me that i was i was quite quite flattered and then, and then he said uh you know i'll, I'll drop over sometime it's like I thought there was someone else in the room. <laughs> he, was, he was living over on uh, on Queens Road at the time. They were just off Rollins Cross. Mm-hmm. So I went over and hung out, you know, a big bowl of dope on the table. <laughs> Weed, like like a bowl like this, right? I was yeah. like, man, I can't. So I still have never smoked dope and never any good at it. Yeah. But here you are sitting down with Ron. It was like being with Willie Nelson. What are you going to do? Not smoke it? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> glued onto the chair. <laughs> trying to hold Ron's together a conversation Ron, Ron is pontificating about Hank Williams and you know <laughs> and uh but he was but but all jokes aside you know I mean he was such a magnanimous character he was very helpful to me now I don't know because he ne- probably because he never saw me as too much of a threat I got that from the Jerry Seinfeld show too Rich, like uh, Richard Pryor wouldn't go in anywhere and Eddie Murphy was there because he was too threatened by him right I was like well, maybe that's why Ron was always so nice because he wasn't threatened by me but he he, he was very much a mentor um this is a cool story. When we got back to the record deal, so we get this fucking ream, what, get, you know, some, I don't know, if they, they might have faxed it. Reams of paper, right? It's like, it was right out of, right out of it, like a movie. Here, here's like a, you know, a bunch of guys that really don't know but it's fit to eat with a record contract to look at. And we didn't have any money to get a lawyer or what the fuck, I mean, you know, we start combing through it, right? Well, I remember, <laughs> like, there's all these, you know, Legalese, of course. So I said, what are we going to do with this? And I said, wait now. I said, well, I wonder if Ron could be any help on this one. He said that if I ever needed anything. So myself and our manager, Peter McKenzie, we went over, sat down at Ron's kitchen table on Queens Road, and he went through that contract line by line. Wow, incredible. And I guarantee you there's no entertainment lawyer in the country who could have been more knowledgeable or be able to decipher and interpret what that was saying. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It yep. was incredible. Like I remember, I'll never forget the one line in it. Like you were, you had your your royalties covered. You know, the territory, this territory, uh, all international boundaries, and the known universe. Interesting. <laughs> I suppose it got high expectations for us. <laughs> the, known, saying, not, the known the known universe is incredible. Sorry, sorry they're talking. And, the, and I laughed, right? I thought it was, I thought he was joking. No, the, the known universe. <laughs> and he was, but, but he, but he let it, he said, this contract is 100% in favor of the record company. There's not one thing in here for you. Don't sign this. No, no way. Wow. Don't sign this. Don't sign this. As and you probably would have just signed your life away. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Record of course, deal, get a I record deal. The bonus. So I, I said, all, all worst case scenario, we're going to get 10 grand out of it. <laughs> That's the way I was thinking. Mm-hmm. 
So he, but he went through it line by line, told us what we should have in here, have in here and have in here to favor us and about our royalties and protecting yourself and, you know, your recruitment periods and, you know, this is, you know, I haven't seen a contract since, but <laughs> I don't know how much they've changed. Um, but that's a really cool experience. That's the side around you probably, you know, most people wouldn't know about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just the, the wealth of knowledge, I would imagine that was, it was so, crazy, but yeah, he yeah. was like, he was just, you know, like I said, I guess he'd been through it all so many times. And he, he knew it inside out. Right. And he knew how to, he knew how to gauge the amount of money per album and mm -hmm. advances and stuff like that. So, you know, wow, that's so incredible. Yeah. I bet you so many people would not even ever even think that most people probably just think Ron's just down there playing tunes and doing his thing yeah. and whatever, you know, but just a, a, being Ron, being Ron. Yeah. Just a wealth of knowledge. Now, you'd also uh, around that same time. I remember I was over at, over there no i wasn't there every day or anything i was probably there a yeah. handful of times so you know a couple of years yeah yeah and uh <clears throat> he was playing down he's playing at the ship in which was the ship in at the time so lara coming down tonight i said yeah man i'll definitely most definitely so i, I you know going down like you know i'm going down to see ron tonight you know <clears throat> my buddy ron right <laughs> i'm not, not see my buddy ron tonight and they go down <laughs> he's there place is full right I go, here, Ron. He just walks right past me. <laughs> Never said a fucking word. Never. He, he just gave me that dead stare as he walked by. Like, <laughs> taking back a peg. You're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but he was funny like that. But, you know, some people would be slighted by that. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I was yeah, like, this yeah. is so, that's so Ron, right? Like, exactly. He was on then. He was either on or off, right? But when yeah. he was himself, man, there was no funnier, funnier guy on the planet jesus yeah. christ he was funny like, no that's that's incredible um yeah i know i know you still got a lot on on your books i mean jesus you're playing flat out can you tell us a little bit about where you're playing these days and where folks can find you too yeah man well again back to you know the post-covid world i'm pretty much back to doing full-on solo gigs yeah um and because of covid i've completely fallen in love with it yeah yeah i used to hate playing solo i couldn't stand it i would do it you know out of necessity because I, someone told me a long time ago, never say no to anything yeah. if you're going to make it in this business or try to make it or be able to be able to work. So I live by that. I never say no to anything that I can do. So I still stick to that. Um, but for years, I hated playing solo because I was used to being in a band and this big sound. And then I show up and it's like, all the parts are missing. And, like <laughs> just and I wasn't that. And sometimes just the camaraderie of like on stage of oh. just being with, with a group of fellas. I mean, somebody falls down, you got somebody that like, you know, if you're watching in the crowd, somebody trips up, you got the boys there to have a laugh with about it yeah. or whatever. It's a different, different on stage presence for sure. Yeah. And the psychology of it too. It's, it's, it's pretty lonely up there, man. It is. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of thoughts go between your ears and it, you know, it's, but it's it also gives you the it also gives you the freedom to just do whatever the fuck you want on stage. That that is that is the attractive part. That yeah. is the attractive part. So about five or six years ago, um, I kind of switched over from just strumming, and mm -hmm. I, I dove headfirst into playing fingerstyle guitar. Um, you you know you know what I'm talking about. I know I that firsthand because I remember first. walking into watching you. I remember the first time I ever really met you. I mean, obviously, I knew who you were. And I knew you'd been playing around, but I've never ever spoke to you. I remember you were playing at Kelly's Pub one night, and I came in, and I, the minute you got off stage, I said, holy fuck, man, how do I do that guitar style? Like, how do I play like that? <laughs> and it was the Travis style picking is what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, which is, and which I've fallen in love with ever since. I mean, I've 
I bought a classical and I've trained myself how to play that way. And I do that quite often now myself because it's so yeah. lovely when you're doing that solo stuff. But I remember coming in and going, holy shit, I've never seen anybody play like, like that style finger picking. And, and it's so, so captivating. It's a very beautiful style to play, especially with solo stuff. Right? It is. It is. Well, it fills out the whole thing because, you know, you get your little bass thing going with your thumb and then you can play some melody bits on top. So yep. s- since I've embraced that, and I by no means have I mastered, not even close. Uh, go see Chris Hennessy if you want to see someone do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that that whole thing. See, I always create these new challenges for myself. That's how I've stayed in this and stayed interested all this time. You know, and since I've embraced that, I love playing by myself now because I can get right into it. I'm playing and I've gotten better at playing melodies, giving myself a solo while I'm singing. Because I used to find playing solo by, you know, just doing so. Man, the songs go by pretty fast when there's all fiddle parts. Exactly. You know? Well, no, you, you just, you're just, oh, God. You take you know? your three and a half minute song and it turns into a two minute song. You end up doing 300 songs in a three hour set. It feels oh like. Oh, my God. You know? It's a, and that's a, you know yourself, 10 minutes on stage is a lifetime. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's exactly. a lifetime. No one no, That's one thing that I don't, unless you've done it, you can't grasp no. how long time is when you're on stage or on a microphone. Mm-hmm. Like, especially solo. I mean, especially solo because you're, it's just you. You you have nobody else to bounce any ideas off. You can't That's laugh it. at anybody on stage. There's no yeah. joking. There's it's just you and the audience. And if you can if you can get them and you got them at the right place and right time, you're going to have a good show. I mean, that's always how I've looked at it. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Oh, I'm only ever as good as the audience. Yeah. You know, I, I'll go down some nights I don't even speak. Because yeah, is that weird people, how that happens? <laughs> yeah, but it's just the vibe of the room, right? Yeah. And I think I'm doing them a service. I don't yeah. think I'm being rude. I, I'll, I'll take the temperature, right? I've been, okay, there's a bunch of couples and they're all chatting. Well, that's what they came in here for. So tonight I'm just background. Exactly. And yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Now, yep. if I was just up strumming, hey, my eyes are having a night, that, wouldn't, that don't work. But because of the finger style thing, I can just lay back, noodle away. But, and you, you know, nailed it. People love that. People, while, people, that stuff, right? Yep. People just want to go down. There's nights when people just want to go down and just... They don't want to be captivated by a show. They nope. just want to go down and socialize with their friends and they enjoy live music, enjoy somebody picking away at the tunes that they love in the background. It's funny because, yeah. I mean, I've noticed this over the years, even especially if you play the same room a couple nights in a row, like, you know, if, and especially if you tell the audience that you're back the next night, one night you could be in there and you're telling it between before every store, every song, you're telling a, a 10 minute story about this yeah. song, where it came from and the writers and who's played on it. And, and yeah. then the next night, this crowd, the same crowd, you know, this table might come back to see you play, but the audience is completely different and you're not doing any of that stuff. And they're kind of like put off by it. It's just, yeah, it's the room. It's yeah. The, you know, it's the vibe. It's the vibe of the room. I did a couple of Sundays ago. I, I over the summer now I'm doing Sundays at O'Reilly six to nine. I didn't even take a break. I picked yeah. three hours straight and just for no other reason than I had people there and they were invested. Exactly. And I was like, I got this going. And when I get in that space, I can play all night for some reason. Yeah. You yep. know, just stories come up, songs come up. You know, there was a couple there from O'Reilly, Ontario. I had just been in O'Reilly, Ontario. Yep. To see Ringo Starr. That's another program. So <laughs> I said, there's no statue of Gordon Lightfoot in O'Reilly. And it just went from there. I must have played, you know, every Gordon Lightfoot song I knew. And then I, had, I was having a conversation with the room. And it's just, I didn't feel like breaking it. So I just kept going. Exactly. Because uh, then when you do, if you, if you, if you got like, that room and no vibe, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, cause when you do have that room, you don't, like you just said, you don't want to break that because you go take a 20 minute break. Half the, half the room is clearing out. It feels like you're almost starting from scratch again. Then when you get back on yeah. for your second set or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, some nights, some nights you're a show, some nights you're a jukebox, and you had to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why it's so difficult. You know, it takes you years to get that through your noggin, too, it's right? Not for the faint of heart. There's no doubt about no, that. <laughs> it certainly isn't, right? Because you, you know, when you're younger, you have what you're doing is so important. You've worked so hard, and so you know, like no one's paying attention. This sucks. But as you get older and more seasoned, you're like, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to entertain me tonight. Yeah, exactly. And that's, roll, why, that's you why you always have to have something. You had to be pushing for something or trying to accomplish something different all the time. That's what keeps me going. Anyway, like, you know. So back to the previous question, where, where can folks find you? I know you're doing a bunch of gigs oh, around. Yes. I mean, you're playing around town. Yep. Yeah, my, my, my weekly schedule is Monday, Broderick, 7 o'clock. Yep. On Tuesday, I'm at Shamrock, 6 to 9. Wednesdays, I'm usually off. Um, I think Thursdays, I may be at Brody's coming up, but generally I'm off Thursday. Friday, I'm at uh, Shamrock City again, 6 to 9. Saturdays, I'm at McNiven's, 7.30 to 10.30. Right, which right. Is the, in new local, Heights, new the new place. local pub. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Man, I haven't walked to work in a long time. <laughs> we've, been, we've, we've lived in the Burbs now for 13 years. I haven't walked to work since. Yeah. You don't, you don't worry about getting home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you figure it out then, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Sunday, so, and then Sunday nights, I'm at O'Reilly, Sunday evenings, uh, six to nine. So, oh, that's great. Plus. I'm so going off to New. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm off to Nova Scotia now, the first week of July. Um, uh, some new things happening for me. I got, I have festival gigs on, on the mainland by myself. Great, man. These great. are these are firsts for me. I've always been a band guy, right? But I'm doing uh, the Gaelic College Kitchen uh, Kitchen Fest in July. And then I'm doing another festival in New Brunswick, Levy on the Lake, uh, the latter part of August. So, I mean, those are exciting things, right? They're fun, just, yeah, fun opportunities to look forward to. You were just played in Toronto. Didn't you just do a gig in Toronto a couple yeah, weeks ago? Couple as weeks well? ago yeah, yeah, great, yeah. yeah. Nice to get back out and doing a few things in different rooms, too, I bet. It is. But to go out and do it by myself still ties into what we were just talking about a minute ago. I've never done that before. Exactly. Going yeah. on the road by myself? <laughs> like... It's kind of liberating, honestly. <laughs> it is. It is. And like you said, too, you can play, you can read the room better because you're not tied to whatever songs the bass player knows. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or what arrangements you have worked up. Or I'm pretty lucky with my guys, Bob Pike. I can throw anything at him. We can play it. Him and Luke Welch, boys are like, yeah. yeah <clears throat> they yeah. never know what I'm going to do next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they love that because they'd be bored shitless otherwise. Exactly. No, it's always great to have good players around you, especially you can just throw them into the mix. And I mean, but that, that makes it interesting because then the nights that you just throw one at them, you're like, boys, that was wicked last night. By like, that was a wicked song. We did. What a job we did on that one out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> Who was that band last night? They were great. Yeah, exactly. But again, same thing. It's about the vibe. If we get a good feel in the room and we get playing off each other, it's more like a jam. That's where I am now. Like, fucking playing arrangements down cold i'm i'm over that now it's so boring like yeah 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 okay yes it's great when you're you know everything tight nailed down if you're going to be you know full-on out there touring concert act or whatever but you know i, I like being relaxed if, um all people see on stage is a smile and confidence mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you got you know you got that going on then the rest of it falls into place you know well, folks, if you're listening from home and if you're, you know, in around the uh, St. John's area, by all means, make sure you get out and check out Larry Foley. You just uh, read it up there and where, he, where he's going to be playing. And if you're listening from uh, outside the province and you're planning on uh, on making a trip out, come see Larry. He's, uh, he's all over St. John's, you know, and, and he just has shorter thumbs than Donald Trump. 
<laughs> so Larry, I want to do a fun thing. I've been doing this all season. I do a little rapid fire question segment where we just hammer out kind of, uh, I got nine or 10 questions here and they don't have to be like quite rapid fire. You don't have to bam, bang them out, but there's just a bit of fun and you know, just kind of a bit off topic. That's all. So are you ready for me. this? Lay it on me. All right. So the very first question, who's the greatest songwriter in your eyes of all time? Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot. Great answer. I, hold on. I got to get it over here. I got this thing moved. Um, number two. If you never played mu music professionally, what do you think your job would currently be or what do you think you would have grown up doing? TV or radio host. Yeah, you worked on radio for a while back. back. Yeah, I remember that. I, I should have asked you Eight about years. that too. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Um, all right, I got a good one for you. You're playing at Shamrock City tonight, but beforehand, what is on the Larry Foley home cooking show this evening? Oh, this evening? I don't know. Uh, whatever's there. Yeah, I think I got all... a pack of thighs. I have a pack of frozen thighs that might uh, make, make the way. Although there's carrots and celery there I got to get rid of. So I'm, I might do like a chicken stew of some sort this evening. Larry, you've become quite a good home cook. I mean, I, I always see yeah. these posts and I always laugh at people saying, geez, where'd you get the recipe? You're like, I just found the ingredients in the fridge and threw it in a pot. <laughs> Whatever's there. It's just like a song. You take the bits and put it together, man. It's got to taste good. Look, if you right. got an onion and a bit of garlic, anything tastes good. Anything goes, yeah, exactly. Um, off the top of your head, what's one of the most bizarre things that you've seen from the stage? Oh, boy. I can think of one I that I remember seeing that happened while you were playing. At Kelly's. Oh, really? A guy, I remember a guy, Kelly's, like, I think he had a heart attack or something. Oh, was, yeah. That was, that was a, <laughs> that was a dark, that was, was a dark there. moment. Yeah. There was a, I've had a couple of those. Oh, <laughs> man. That's <is> shocking. <laughs> I had a couple of, down he went, man. That one was pretty real. Yeah. You were there, were you? I was there. I was playing after you. And I remember there was a girl walking up the road. <laughs> it was like a baby doctor. And she came in and gave him a few pumps to CPR and, Threw in the back yeah. of an ambulance. <laughs> Way to he's, go. Back the only there. thing saved him is his wife was a nurse. And she was yeah, there. Right, they were right. I never played Sweet Forget Me Not since. <laughs> That's it. It was canceled in. Yeah. Uh, uh, I once had I once sorry. had a girl take off her prosthetic limb for me to sign. <laughs> oh, that is that is definitely up there. Wow. Uh, what <laughs> yeah. was the, what was the limb like? Her leg or her arm or? It was her forearm. Wow. Yeah, hand and forearm. Just, she just handed you her arm and just sign this wow that's did you yep. sign it yep i would love to know if she still rocks the larry she Foley. is i have to run it I, no she was way. only young i've seen her as an adult yeah that's I've awesome i love that i love that um if you had to choose between the two would you have a hot dog or a hamburger hamburger all day yeah, me too man i'm a big hamburger guy um who is someone that you've shared the stage with that you consider yourself very lucky for doing so Wow. I, I guess Ron. Yeah. There's no two ways about that. I mean, it seems pretty obvious answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to say Ron Hines, 100%. Um, what is the go-to TV programming for Larry Foley? <laughs> These days, cars, roadkill or roadkill or diesel brothers, anyone building something. Okay, um, cool. Well, my dad was, my dad was auto body repairman when I was a child. So yep. it, car bug has never left me right i grew up around the garages um so that's yeah that's where i am that my my current favorite is roadkill what is the best concert that you've ever seen live i have to say uh seen a lot of concerts 
Annie Lennox knocked me on my ass when I saw her live. Neat. Where was that? It was in Toronto, you know, whatever cool. the big place. Yep, whatever the yep. big place. I don't pay attention much. You know that, right? <laughs> um, whatever large thing is in Toronto that people go things at. I suppose it was the sky, was the sky dome. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, right. uh, I mean, you only think she can sing on record, man. Holy fuck. Like, yep. wow. Yeah. Just wow. It's like. You just spend you spent the whole time just in love with her. Like yeah, yeah. That's that that is magnetism and just I've been able to you know, because yeah, there's a lot of singers these days that are acrobats, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. But she just it's just Scott's one, see? Can't take I, it off the Scots. I got an interesting one for you. I, I don't want you to answer okay, I'll tell you the question first. Um, I want to know what your favorite guitar is in your collection. Not whether you play it or not, but just something that stands out to you, your favorite guitar that you have in your collection. I, I guess it would have to be my old J 45. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it. I bought it off black O'Leary in 1990 or 1991. And at the time there were frets missing off. There was holes in the top. It was, it was pretty beat to fuck. Right. And uh, pardon my language. And uh, Steve Woodcock put it back together, sort of got it up and running. And I, it was the only guitar I had for a lot of years, man. Um, What's so, that you know, Martin I, that's I kind used? kind of like my, my uh, Willie Nelson Trigger guitar. You know, it's a, it, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. What, what was that? What's that Martin that I used in the video? Because I actually recorded my uh, my last album, Talking Back Fool, in, in Larry's uh, home studio, his home shedio. Um, and I... And there's a lot of uh, memorabilia that, you know, is encompassed in, in Larry's studio there that I uh, that I was featured in this video. I mean, if you're listening from home, go check it out. Talking Back Fool on uh, on YouTube. But I use it's like an old Martin, like a 58 Martin or something like that. Like what yeah, a rig 50, that is. 54. That, 50. be, that belongs. It's a 54 single 015. Um, would have been basically, the you know, a low end Martin at the time, all mahogany body, which everybody's crazy about now. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. It, it, it belonged to Omar Blondell, who was uh, an interesting character. Go look him up. In, a pivotal character in Newfoundland music and certainly Newfoundland guitar adaptation of folk music. Cool, He's, cool. He had, some, he had a radio show called Sagebrush Sam. Uh, you know, he's, he's in the late 50s, early 60s, I think, that he, w- he was on CJON radio and I, bu- I believe VOCM too. So he'd cool. do live radio shows and... Uh, he went in, he was, he was a radio, he had experience in radio, but he came, came to St. John's on a ship, and I don't know if he missed the boat or what, <laughs> and he's like looking for some gigs, and he went up to the radio station, and they had a spot to fill, and someone handed him the journalist oil songbook, and he could read music quite proficiently, and he, had, he came up with all of these lovely arrangements that a lot of us are still gleaning all these years later. So check out some of his old records, but that's his guitar. I, wow. I found it on the buy and sell by accident. Wow. Crazy. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Uh, and the final question for the, uh, the rapid fire segment here, um, kind of an interesting one, but I- I'd like to hear your take on it. Um, do you think that the world um, was better or worse before the age of social media? Well, it's, you know, it's social evolution, right? I- I'm sure every generation thought, had similar thoughts about whatever technology they had to, to grapple with. I remember reading a thing one time where uh, musicians were freaking out in, in the twenties because all of a sudden you, and in the thirties, because you could get music for free on the radio and they weren't getting paid for it. All and right. I was like, well, that's what everybody started saying here when you could download for free, and not have to pay for it. So I, I think every generation has to grapple with what 
technology they come up with. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly but steadily building our own hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the advantage of it is you can talk to your relatives in Ontario without spending $300 a month on a phone bill. Yep, exactly. Uh, there, there are some downfalls. Our industry has taken some hits as you, you're, you're at it long enough now to be able to attest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as so, soon as it became so easy to make music and put it out there, then obviously it became less valuable in, in, yeah. in a lot of ways. But I think back to circling back to COVID, I think we realized what the real value is, you know, exactly. and then it's, it's not necessarily monetarily, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but um, it's, but we're about right back to the wild west in a different way. People are, in, are, are threatened in ways they never were before by technology and mostly by other humans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like Tombstone, man. And someone can shoot you because they want that thing over there. Well, now they're just going to say shit about you on the internet or, <laughs> you know, steal your money from uh, without you knowing off your car. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think human nature is, will never change no matter what kind of technology we're faced with. So that's what I have to say about that. Absolutely. Well, Larry, listen, man, I don't want to hold you up any longer. Thanks so much for uh, for doing this. Really appreciate you taking the time. Folks, if you're at home, make sure you get out and check out Larry Foley live. He's playing downtown all the time. Uh, Thanks again, Larry. Really appreciate it, man. And and go see Dave Whitty. He's wicked. Hey, right on, right on. Thanks, Larry. We'll catch up with you soon, buddy. Cheers. Rock on. Huge thanks to Mr. Larry Foley for coming on there. Always love catching up with Larry. He's an abundance of information and always a great chat. Always love the uh, the classic Larry Foley, Ron Hines impersonation. Always gets me. I'm laughing at that one for years. So huge thanks to Larry. And make sure you get down and check him out. He's playing all over the place uh, all throughout the summer. And he's always a, a, you know, a great listen to and always got a lot of stories to tell. So big thanks to Larry. Um, that about does it for me, guys. Not too much else going on. I uh, just want to pump the show one more time. June 24th. Oh, my God. Did I get that wrong? Um, quite possibly. And I'm not even going to go back and edit it right now. So June 24th. Yeah, June 24th, Friday night at the Rock House. I've been mixing that up every single time I, I say it. Oh, my God. But June 24th at the Rock House, Dave Witty Band, uh, opener, Claire Follett. Tickets are on sale right now. www.davewitty.com. Com. Uh, and you'll find the event break there, and you can go purchase some tickets. And there'll also be abundance of tickets on the door as well, guys. Rock House is a huge room. We don't have 300 tickets sold, so be lots of room on the door. So uh, come on out for a great evening of music. Going to be the only witty band show of the year. Uh, that about does it for me, guys. From downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, I'm Dave Witty. Peace. <laughs>